Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Well, again, happy Easter. I am uh, excited because the tomb is still empty. As you saw in that video, Christ is still risen. God is still offering salvation to all who believe. This is still a day to celebrate. So in your homes or from wherever you're watching, if you're, if you're in your car or some, somewhere else, from wherever you're at, I want you, I want us to take a moment, even the ones that are sitting in this room hanging out here uh, today, the, the under 10, I didn't count, but it looks under 10 to me and they're all six feet apart unless they're family. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we want to take a moment and just cheer for the resurrected Christ. So I'm telling you, hoop and holler, whatever that means, shout a praise to the Lord. Now, if you're at home, here's what I want you to do. Someone needs to get up off the couch. You need to go to your front door, swing that door open, and you're yelling out, hope is here. Christ has risen. Let your neighbors know that you're crazy in love with Jesus. Oh, you don't think I'm serious. I'm actually going to count to three, and we're going to do this. So get someone get ready. Go to the door, okay? You're going to shout. We're going to cheer. One, two, three. Woo! Christ is risen! Christ is risen! Woo! Come on! I can't hear you in there! Come on! Woo! Man! This is awesome to celebrate together. I wish I could see you. I wish I could, you know, which sounds a little scary. They say the government's doing this to us, watching us through our TV screens. But I don't know if that's happening or not. I would just love to be in each home, though, uh, around the, the, you know, the Stanton community here and seeing you and just watching us together celebrate. Because here's the, here's the reality. Satan desires to have a victory. And he desires, in a way, to say, hey, what, what a worse thing could happen than for all the churches to be shut down on Easter and no one can celebrate the risen Savior? Well, we're just sticking it to Satan today. We're kicking him in the teeth, all right? Christ has risen. We are celebrating. We are celebrating together the risen Savior. Now, I, I can't fully claim to understand God's approach in dealing with us. But, um, and, and, and here's the... Here's the thing, I, I've heard it said different things uh, about how uh, this coronavirus is, is God's response to us, and it's like, hey, if you like your sports, um, it, then, then I'm going to get rid of your sports. If you, if you wanted your money, I'm going to get rid of your, your money. If you like your, your shopping sprees, I'm going to take those away. But I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think of the children of Israel, and uh, when they were getting sick of manna, you remember they didn't have anything to eat, and God, God, they're like, God, we don't want manna anymore. And uh, God, God dumps the mother load of, of quail on the children of Israel, and he just puts it on them. And he's like, eat until you are sick. And if you've never read that in the Old Testament, it's a great, it's, it's pretty comical. And they're like literally sick. They're like, their, their stomachs are uh, full, and they're just like, oh, I don't want any more quail. And he's like, eat it. Uh, that's kind of what I feel like with what's going on. Because we're like more technology, more technology, more Netflix, more Hulu, more screen time, more Amazon Prime. We want more. And God's like, you want more? Eat until you're sick. You like social distance or you like social media? You want to stay away from people and just talk to them online? Well, how do you like it now? 
You know, and that's kind of what I feel. We need to take this as a lesson from the Lord. And my prayer is that when we emerge from this strange season, that we are inspired to greater community, that we're, we're, we're inspired to greater one-on-one discipleship. We're inspired to greater passion for lost and the hurting. We're, decide, we're, we're, we're inspired to show the world that our hope is in Christ alone. And that's what I'm excited about, church. So take this in right now. And, and just realize, okay, we, we like this social media stuff. We, we, we liked it. But when we're done with this, when that time has passed, let's come together as the church and see what God does when we place our hope in Him. Now, the funny and strange thing to me about the social media stuff has been that it seems to be that there's a a bigger uh, behind-the-scenes type production that, that people are starting to let others in on. Have you watched some of these things like on YouTube or something like that, like Jimmy Fallon or, or the, these Tonight Show, and they're just like at home and it's uncut? And, and people are starting to realize where there used to be this big production and you don't let anyone see what's behind the scenes, now people are starting to kind of let us in on those things, you know? Um, so so videos now seem to be uh, just riddled with reality. Um, no makeup up, no retakes, kids interrupting things, um, the dog barking in the background, the perfect angle, what is that? Who cares, you know? Put on my nice clothes to post this thing on social media. Why bother? My sweatpants are just fine, you know? And, and <laughs> that's why we wanted you to get dressed up today in your Easter best, because we're not really interested in, 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 in not showing up for Christ. You know, we want to do our best. We want to put on our best. And, 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 you know, if I could show you around this room, Room. If I if I if I didn't mess the camera angle up because I couldn't put it back on there, I would just I would love to just show you. We don't we're not set up for production here, but we got weird looking work lights sitting around. We got lamps shining lights so you can beam off my bald head. Um, the sanctuary is a mess. You get a little angle of it, but looking around, I've heard that a few times this week. This place is a mess. It is. Uh, everyone went home. We made a wreck. Uh, but it, it's just this behind the scenes, and, and sometimes. To see reality is a good thing for us. You know, to see that no one is perfect. Because for most of you, you've heard this saying, seeing is believing. And and I would say the problem isn't that we need to see it to believe it. The, The problem for most of us is that when we do see it, we do believe it. Let that sink in for a minute. Because we say seeing is believing... But the problem with that is is that when we see it, we do believe it. So when you look at someone who only gives you glimpses into their life's perfect moment, we begin to think that that's the reality for them. And we want that reality for us. And think of what we take in, movies and online articles and news media. If, if, If we watch it, if we read it, especially if someone we think highly of posts it, well, then it's got to be real, right? It's got to be true. And, and so if we see that, and, and, and if we think it's true, what happens? Well, now our feelings are invoked. So, so whatever I saw, it either made me happy, I, I believed it, I, I loved to see that happening, and man, that's great, so it makes me happy, or maybe it really made me sad, Maybe it upset me, maybe it angered me, maybe there's gladness, maybe there's thankfulness, maybe there's anxiety, because we've seen something and now we we can't get over the fear 
the anxiety, maybe there's depression, a bitterness, a jealousy. Feelings take over when we allow our eyes to control our emotions because seeing is not really believing. Seeing most often results in feeling. And for us, feeling doesn't bring healing. And when we're struck with these emotions because of something we've seen or something that, that, that we've heard or something someone's posted, these feelings that entered in through our eyes now begin to take control of our body and we just desperately want to be healed. We want to be rid of our anxiety. We want to be rid of our depression. We want to be rid of our fear. But we just keep taking in more stuff that feeds the fear, that feeds the anxiety, that feeds the depression. And this really is the real pandemic. People living lives of fear and anger and bitterness and anxiety based on what they see, not based on truth. Now, I want you to hear, here, here's what I did not just say. I did not say the virus is not real. The virus is very real. I did not say that we should not be cautious. We should be cautious. I did not say that the, the government has some conspiracy, uh, all right, and, and this thing's just created and they're doing it to figure out how far they can go. There are real people being affected. Real lives are, are being disrupted. Real people are dying. I want you to hear me say that because I'm not saying that all that is made up and none of it's true. Here's what I am saying. This is Easter. You're like, oh, finally, he's at Easter. Okay, we can talk about Easter now. Yes, let's talk about Easter. No matter what we see happening around us, it does not negate truth. Truth has one name. It's Jesus Christ. And if we think about Easter, this truth and reality of Easter and what Jesus has done for us should be the framework and the lens through which we see everything else. So if, if we believe that Jesus said what he did, that, 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 that he came, he was the son of God, perfect son of God, walked among us a sinless life, went to the cross for the, uh, and, and bore the weight and the, 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 the pressure and, and, and the, the immense uh, uh, struggle of sin, and he bore that, he took that to the cross, and he died, and he rose again, and he said, if you believe in me and you place your faith in me, you'll have life everlasting, and we turn from our wicked ways, we turn from our sin we put our faith in Jesus Christ and if you believe that then what happens should be that our eyes see everything differently that no matter what's happening around us the lens is not feelings the lens is truth so imagine this imagine uh, if the events of Easter were to take place in today's society, and, and there's local news media and everything else is going on, and, and, and I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm on the air, so if I had news music, I'd be like, you know, this just in, uh, and, and you know, why everyone cups their finger to their ear like they couldn't hear before, but this just in, um, so here, here it is, imagine you're watching your local news, and, and they say this, you turn it on, and it says, a man who claimed to be the Messiah gathered a bunch of rebellious followers, and, and he was challenging the political establishment. He was challenging all the religious leaders. 
This man needed to be stopped. He was causing problems around the world. And the one way to stop this problem causer was to make an, is to make an example out of him. So he has been sentenced to death on a cross. So Jesus Christ, this man who we call the King of the Jews, was crucified as a common criminal in his rightful place. And they put his dead body in a tomb to put an end to this crazy activist. And imagine if that's what you heard. That was the story. And, and, and the reality is, that's besides it not being on uh, social media or, or televisions or anything else, that is the story that was circulating during that time. It's what the people of the day were, were being told, and even some of them, what then it fed into what they thought they were seeing. So when they saw Jesus going toe-to-toe with one of the religious leaders in the temple, when they saw Jesus in the temple overturning uh, tables of the, of the money uh, grabbers in the temple and the, the salespeople, and, and, and they saw these things happening, and they saw what was and heard what was going on, that Jesus was a problem causer, and he needed to be gotten rid of. So when they see these things, they begin feeling anger. They feel hatred toward Jesus. They feel fear because he's disrupting their life. They felt that he was a problem, and so they allowed what they heard and what they saw to drive their feelings. And then those feelings guided their hearts as they chanted, crucify him. Crucify Him. So you see how quickly what we see and hear can take us to a place that our feelings then make us act irrationally in against truth. That was what was seen, but then where was truth? What truth was being revealed behind the scenes when almost everyone allowed their dictation their feelings, to dictate their response to what their eyes were taking in. Jesus stood alone fighting a battle for the souls of humanity. Jesus knew something that we need to understand and we need to remember and remind ourselves of today. That truth is not primarily found in what we see with our eyes. If you have a Bible at home or a device, I, I encourage you to grab that and just, just turn. And, and we're going to jump around a few places here. And if you get yourself to Revelation chapter 12, that will be there next. And that's a good one to go to. But I want to remind us of this, was we were reminded by the Apostle Paul. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, that we have to remember that what our eyes see are not the only thing that go, that's, that's happening around us. That there's a bigger world around us. And in, in, in verse uh, chapter twelve or chapter six, verse twelve, it says, "For we are not wrestling against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places." So, so the truth is that what we see around us can deceive us and can cause us to feel things that are completely against what Christ is doing and what he desires to do in us and through us. That if we don't see the world first through the lens of our risen Savior Jesus Christ, that we will live 
a life in fear and anxiety and panic because we're not seeing truth as Jesus sees truth. So Jesus opens our eyes. The Bible opens our eyes in many places to different ways that we can see. Often in a, in a uh, maybe you don't hear this, this passage read on an Easter Sunday morning. But, but I want to remind us in, in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12 that there is a behind the scenes. There are things happening that your eyes can't see. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of rulers over the darkness. So in verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the demon and his angels. And the, and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in the kingdom of our God. In the authority of his Christ. For the accusers of our brethren and sister has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. And they defeated him. They defeated Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Church, this is, this is going on. In, in another dimension, in another world that we can't see with our eyes, there's a battle being waged. When all the world could see was Jesus the blasphemer, the rebel, Jesus the problem causer. He was simultaneously fighting a fierce spiritual battle that would bring hope, that would bring love, it would bring forgiveness to the very people who were chanting crucify him. To the very people he was bringing hope that were beating him, that were spitting on him, that were nailing him to a cross. And as he hung on this cross, he spoke words that were heard in this world but his words weren't primarily spoken that day to those who were looking on. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Then Jesus says, it is finished. These words, it is finished. These words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. These words pierced through the darkest corners of evil and shook the very foundations of hell. It is finished. But to the onlookers of that day, to have been up there near the cross in the place of Jesus around where he was and to hear him breathe this, to hear him shout, it is finished. What's finished? His life? Of course, he's just stating the obvious. It's over, man. You're on the cross. You're not getting down. Of course it's finished. In any person hearing that could conclude that Jesus just gave up. Because what they saw deceived them from the reality of what was happening behind the scenes. The opposite was true. He had not given up. The war he had waged against sin had been won. Turn over to Matthew chapter 27. 
And the, the verses, I believe, will be on the screen there as well. And, and I always think it's funny. We put verses up sometimes when we're looking at a little device and we can't even read them. So you may, you may want to look up in, in your own Bible there this passage. But Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. It says, Then Jesus shouted again. This when he shouted, it is finished. And he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened, the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead, and they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Can you imagine this? We, we skip over this and read this, but this was reality. They were getting a glimpse behind the scenes. That, that Jesus' words that he spoke on the cross, it is finished, wasn't at all about his physical state. It was about the spiritual state that had changed for all of humanity. And it was such a big moment in history that the earth could not even contain the words of Jesus Christ. He cries, it is finished, and the rocks split, the earth shakes, the veil and the temples torn in two, separating us. What separated us between God and man and our sin was gone. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He defeated death. At that moment, sin had been overcome. How amazing is that? And, and, and then, you, then you read this next verse, and it says, the, the Roman officer and the other soldier at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake. Who wouldn't be? And all that had happened. And here's what they said. This man truly was the Son of God. What, what changed their perspective from all that they had seen and all that they had heard? Everything that had been going about Jesus, this blasphemer, Jesus that needs to die on the cross, crucify him, what had changed? Their eyes had seen reality. Their eyes had seen truth. As Jesus ripped the curtain in two, and you saw the other side, that this world is more than this world. And that we are given... The opportunity through the death of Jesus Christ to have fellowship again with the creator of the universe. And, and then you, you jump over to, to Matthew 28, and here it comes. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. He rolled aside the stone and he sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing is white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell to the ground. What happened to these same guards? Their eyes were opened to truth. They weren't acting based on what they had heard or seen anymore in this world. They're reacting to the fact that their eyes had been opened to the truth of who Jesus is. And the angel spoke to the woman and said, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. 
He has risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Wow. You see, as you, as you look around you today, don't allow what you see and hear in this world to dictate your truth. Seeing is not really believing. Seeing most often dictates feeling, but Jesus is truth revealed. We trust in Jesus and we will be healed. You cannot, you cannot live your life based on what the world wants you to believe that is true. You have to view everything around us in light of what happened on Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, we're, we're living in a time when we're bombarded with one-dimensional information. There's a virus. There are people dying. Don't touch anyone. Don't touch anything. Don't leave your home. Don't say you have a scratchy throat. Don't say that. Don't cough. Don't sneeze. Don't stand. Don't stand so close to me. We are told that the only hope for our future, the only hope for us right now is to fear death and to fear the unknown. That, that's not right. Being told that the only hope for us is to fear death and the unknown, the problem is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, then there is no death. Then there is no unknown. So when you view things through the reality of who Christ is and what he has done for us, we can't live trusting our eyes. We can't live as those without hope. We have to place our trust in Christ alone. And in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read a few verses here, and I think it's so appropriate for what we're dealing with right now. It says, yet, in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal to his children who his children really are. Against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 24 says, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it, but we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What shall we say then, verse 31? What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be? against us since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else do you love God do you love him do you believe in the life and the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ have you turned from your sins and trusted Jesus as your Savior and if you've answered yes to those questions, 
Have confidence that your Savior is working all things together for the good of those He loves. And if He is for us, who could ever be against us? Those are encouraging verses. But let's be real for a minute. We look around us and we're sometimes led to believe because of what our eyes see how those verses could actually be true. It seems like at times this whole world is against us and in fact that's a pretty true statement. Everything in this world that stands in opposition to God is against us. The things we can't see behind the scenes, hell itself in all of its might is seeking to destroy God's children. But that's the point of the verse. Who who can be against us? Well, everything and everyone on this earth can be against me. But as a redeemed child of God, it holds no power in comparison to the love of my holy God. So when God is for you, nothing can stand against you. We have to believe this, church. When you believe in who He is, when you believe in what Easter represents, the the, the overcoming of death and, and, and the overcoming of sin, that we stand victorious as followers of Jesus Christ. When God is for you, nothing can stand against you. When the purity of life that God breathed into humanity was turned by our selfishness into, uh, into pride and into filthy rags, when sin was crouching at the door, poised to destroy us, when Satan threatened to rob the joy and favor of our heavenly creator, God waged war with sin and death and all the forces of evil in a battle for our souls. That's the love of God. And in his love and desire that none would perish, but all would come to repentance, God turns to his one and only son as the key to this victory of this battle that needed to be won. Our son, he says, our creation has been attacked by the enemy. My children who are created in my image have broken their holy relationship with us. The debt of their sin can only be paid for through death. And you, son, hold in your hands the keys to life and death. Will you lay down your life? life as a sacrifice for their sins and even though the sacrifice was unimaginable they knew there was no other way and Jesus Christ the son of God being one with God wrapped himself in human flesh and came into this world to give us life abundantly And on the front lines of a fierce spiritual battle, a fierce physical battle, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to war with Satan and his kingdom of darkness for you and for me. And even though Jesus scored blow after blow against Satan, Satan reached deep into his same arsenal of weapons, sin and death. And in one final attempt, it looked like as though hell's victory against God's kingdom had been secured. It looked as though the Son of God was done. He was nailed to a cross of sin and shame. His lifeless body laid in a tomb. But what the prince of darkness didn't know is that he never stood a chance. His power 
of death was no match for God's power of love and life. And once again, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Satan thought he had hung Christ's body on a cross of sin as a sign of shame. He, he, he thought he, he, he had put Jesus in a tomb as a sign of death, but it was nailing of Christ's body to the cross that put death to sin. It was Christ's resurrection from the grave that vanquished death. What Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Nothing can stop the power of God's love, that power that is for you and for me, for all who would believe. You see, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? Pastor Mark read this earlier, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting for sin? is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death. And our death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Did you hear that, church? You want to know how you feel? What you see? How's addressing your feelings? Here's truth. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He overcame sin and death. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain. Today we celebrate a risen Savior who won the victory over sin and death. And for those who believe and repent of their sins and place their trust to Him, let's not live our lives in fear. Don't live your lives in fear of death. Don't live your lives in fear of the unknown. Because if you believe in Jesus, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, there is no unknown. And there is no grave that can hold your body down. The king has risen and he offers a bright future for all who believe. The battle has been won. Now let's walk in victory.